If you will, uh, turn with me to Second um, Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be uh, looking at today, a passage from, from the book of Second Peter. But uh, how many's ever heard of the phrase as a li- uh, from a little child, or maybe you even said this when you were a child, when I grow up, right? Some of you are still saying that, right? When I grow up... <laughs> But you know, when we're kids, we always have these dreams of things like, man, when I grow up, I want to be, you know, a fireman, I want to be a nurse, I want to be a uh, whatever, you know, whatever it is. You remember what I'm talking about. You hear children say that a lot. When we were children, most of us couldn't wait to be grown-ups. And as we look around here today, by the way, for the most part, except for a few young people, if you look around, uh, the fact is, is that most of us have succeeded. We did, in fact, grow up physically. Um, we're no longer in children's bodies, we're now in adult bodies. The fact is, if we stick around long enough and we avoid sickness and accidents and the stupid things that people, <laughs> some young people do, you know, our bodies will eventually grow from children to adults. It's just going to happen. It's just what happens how God has designed us. That's a guarantee. What's not a guarantee is our growth spiritually. And we've been looking over the last several weeks uh, talking about who the Holy Spirit is and Him being our helper. And you can go back and listen to the messages from the weeks before if if you would, and I would encourage you to do so. Um, Last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit gives us guidance in our lives. I'm so thankful for the guidance of the Holy Spirit, amen, aren't you? Um, Today we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit helps us to grow up. Turn to someone and say, grow up. I bet you've been wanting to say that for a long time. So here's the thing. You know, we can... (laughs) All right, you can stop saying that now. Everybody's like, this feels good. I'm going to tell some other people. Okay, stop. You know, we could have asked Jesus into our hearts 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and still be babies spiritually. But that doesn't have to be the case. We can grow up. In fact, church, we must grow up. In the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says it this way. When I was a child, I talked as a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And we know that that's for the most part how that happens. But spiritually speaking, that doesn't necessarily always happen. This should be our goal. Our goal should be to grow up, to put behind us the things of our spiritual childhood and become mature believers in Christ. Amen? As we continue in our study of the person of the Holy Spirit today, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus called him three different times in the book of John, our helper. How many needs help? I need all the help I can get. How about you? I need help, Holy Spirit. Help me today and every day. And so the Holy Spirit being our helper today, I want us to look and see how the Holy Spirit can help us to grow up to be more like Jesus. Now, Peter was a hothead. We look at this chapter, rather this book that he's, uh, that he's written, the, really it was a letter that he wrote. Peter, if you see him in his interactions with people in the, uh, in the Gospels, he was a hothead. He, he acted most of the time before he thought things through. He allowed his emotions to control him. He often spoke out of turn. He was all or nothing. You never had to guess where Peter stood on things. He's the one who jumped out of the boat and onto the water to meet Jesus. Think about that for a second. He didn't. 
He's the one who cut the ear off the guard when they came to arrest Jesus in the guard right before his crucifixion. He's the one who, when asked by Jesus, who do you say that I am? Peter's the one that blurted out before anybody, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But then he was also the one who emphatically denied even knowing Jesus three times at the trial of Christ. He was all over the map emotionally, Peter was. And just like we all know when a child is unhappy as they scream in public, how many ever heard of that one? You always knew for better or worse when Peter, what Peter was thinking or feeling. Peter hid nothing. But as we read Peter's letters, First and Second Peter, we see a maturity that has taken place from the time he was with Jesus and walking around with him to the time he wrote these letters. Some years had passed. And what we read is in, this, in these letters, it was a writings reflecting a man who no longer was controlled so much by his emotions, so much by his thoughts and circumstances, but he thought and acted not so much like a child, but as a spiritually mature man of God. The Holy Spirit had done a work in his heart. The Holy Spirit had done a work in Peter's life as Peter yielded to the Holy Spirit. That's such an important word, yielding. Can you just say yielded to me? Just say it out loud and say yielded. You know, it's so important to yield. When you're driving in traffic, you know, and you're, you're just come to a yield sign, what does that mean? Does that mean you barrel through and everybody else stops? No, that's what a child would do, right? But yielding is something, is a sign that says, I'm going to make sure that that person there goes before me. I'm going to yield to that person. We yield to the Holy Spirit. We step back and we let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in us and through us. We have got to yield to the Holy Spirit before we will ever grow up in Jesus. The results in Peter's life was a more mature man of God because he yielded to the Holy Spirit. And a more spiritually mature person, by the way, is one who can be more effective and productive in their walk with Jesus and in their witness for Jesus. In fact, that's what Peter is writing about in this first chapter of 2 Peter. We're going to start in verse 3. If you're there, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, let me hear you say amen. It says, the divine power, now the divine power is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. The divine power has given us everything, say everything, not most everything, but everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. In other words, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. And then Peter uh, creates this sort of recipe and he's throwing out some ingredients here. So listen to this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And then goodness... Uh, knowledge and to knowledge self-control self-control perseverance perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love we're going to go each over each one of these by the way in just a minute now listen to this he says for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure say increasing see so so we're moving up a little bit right we're increasing it's not like we're full in all these areas uh, immediately but it's a maturity there's a growth that takes place so in ever increasing measures they're going to keep us, here it is, so as we do these things, this is the result. As we grow up in the Lord, this is the result of This is what Peter not only said will happen, but he's actually testifying as to what happened in his life as he yielded the Holy Spirit. His relationship with Jesus grew. He says this, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 
They'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. So in other words, they're going to keep you to be, they're going to cause you to be effective and productive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you grow in him, you're going to be more productive and you're going to be more effective instead of just the opposite. Now let me condense this a little bit in this passage. Really this is what he's saying and it should be on the screen there as well. Let me just say it this way and write this down and keep it up there if you will so that people can write this down. It's a lot of words there, but I want you to get this. So please write this down. The Holy Spirit helps us grow in our relationship with Jesus so we can be more like him and be more effective and productive for him. That's really what Peter's saying, and that's what Peter's actually testifying in this letter. He says, this is what happened to me. I was a hothead. I was impetuous. I was all over the map emotionally. I was a child. I thought, I spoke before I thought. I acted out before I even recognized the repercussions of it. Man, I had had a lot of rough edges to smooth out on my life. I needed to grow up. I believed in Jesus, but man, he was working in my heart to do some stuff, and he needed to. So I yielded the Holy Spirit, and as, as I did, the Holy Spirit helped me to grow in my relationship with Jesus. And now, as a result of it, I'm more like Jesus. This is Peter talking. I'm not only more like him, but I'm also more effective and more productive for him. We read the life of Peter, and we see how productive and effective that he was for Christ in his life. You go back and read the story. You know some of it. And that's what can happen with us. You see, that, that, that phrase right there, that is the definition of a spiritually mature person or maturing person. And as the bride of Christ, we are in desperate need of this maturity, church. Do you hear me this morning? We need to grow up in Christ as the church of Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen a scene in a movie where, this, where there's a particular bride that she's just irreconcilable? Maybe it's a comedy. She's emotional. She's unstable. She's erratic. She's throwing things around. She's yelling at everyone. She's all over the map because the wedding didn't turn out right. And then maybe the the final scene culminating is she somehow lands in this giant wedding cake and the wedding cake's all over her and and in a puddle of tears, there's decorations collapsing all around her. The big finale, you can kind of picture that in your mind and people standing there with their mouths wide open in shock. It's funny to watch it being played out in an over-the-top sort of way in a movie as you're imagining it playing in your mind. But that's just a movie, right? Those are just actors. And this isn't reality, is it? But church, as the bride of Christ, there's many times that we actually do act out that way. We're often like bridezillas, aren't we? When we don't get our way, we act out in church, we act out at home, we act out in public. We act like little children with no filters as if the world revolves around us and everyone needs to bend to our wills and our whims. Church, it's time for us to grow up in Christ. It's time for us to yield to the Holy Spirit and to become fully functioning, mature followers of Jesus. I say this because I believe firmly that we're in the last of the last of the last days before the return of Christ. The things that are going on in Israel right now are not just because Hamas hates the Jews. And the things that are going on in the world today are not just because uh, it's just the way of the world. These are prophetic signs that are taking place right now that I believe are fulfilling what God's Word says just before the return of Christ. We have got to be aware 
of the prophetic as it relates to our walk with the Lord and the time that we have left here on this earth. I believe Jesus is coming back very soon in light of everything that's going on. And it's not just because of this, but this has been building up. It's been going on for years now. And it feels like it's happening more quickly, does it not to you? It feels like that it's speeding up. The exponential signs are unfolding in every possible area that you can imagine. Jesus is coming back. And Satan would love nothing more than for, to keep you immature and to keep you ineffective and to keep you unproductive for Christ. He loves it when you're just acting like a child. Are you tired of being spiritually immature this morning? Would you like to grow up more in Christ? Now, I'm not talking about knowing God's word, by the way, because you can quote to me a thousand scriptures this morning by heart, and you can still be a spiritually immature person. Satan knows the Bible better than any of us, and I guarantee you he's not a spiritually mature person. Because, you see, knowing God's word in your head does not guarantee that it gets in your heart. I've known a lot of people in my life who can quote scriptures, but they're still spiritually immature. So if you'd like to start growing up in Christ today, if maybe today's your day where it's going to kick in. And if you're tired of being a child spiritually in the way that you think and the way that you talk and the way that you act, let's see what the Holy Spirit taught Peter. Let's see what maybe we can apply to our lives today because it's time to grow up in Christ. You might say, well, I just can't do this, Pastor. It's, it's not who I am. It's, it's not in my DNA. It's hard to change. I'm too old. It's part of my culture. By the way, those are all excuses. Those are cop-outs, and I'm not buying it, and neither should you. Church, you, not, you, you may not be able to do this, and you're right. You can't do this. But God's Word says in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He matures me. He grows me up in, in him. Jesus can do it in us and wants to do it in us if we yield to him. Say yield. There it is again. So we die to ourselves and let Christ live in us and through us in an ever-increasing way. And then Jesus gives us everything that we need, not almost, not 99%, but 100%, all that we need to grow up in him. It's this ever-growing, vital, intimate relationship with Jesus. And anything that we say contrary to that is just an excuse and a cop-out. Satan would love to keep you immature and ineffective, but church, don't let him. Don't let him. I don't want to see you stand before Jesus one day and, and with your head bowed in shame for all of the lost opportunities that you had to be his witness because you refused to grow up spiritually. Peter gave us a sort of recipe to follow some ingredients that will help us to grow up in Jesus. And I hope you'll write these down this morning. Have you ever tasted something, by the way, that someone cooks and you go, something's missing? You know what I'm talking about? Just, it's like, ugh. And maybe they're like, oh, I forgot the, whatever it is, right? Have you ever made something, you forgot to put a, something, a particular ingredient in it? You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't taste right, does it? It's like, ugh. Throw that out and start all over again. I know what happened, right? That's what I want us to do today. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you uh, with these ingredients that we're getting ready to look at to see if maybe those things around in our lives are just, they just don't taste right. And maybe the Lord's going to help you by adding this or maybe adding a little more of this in your life. The Holy Spirit may need to, add, may, may need to do that. So let's yield to him and let him speak to our hearts this morning. By the way, don't, say, don't sit there and say, yeah, that's for them. <laughs> Boy, this message is really, this, I'm glad they came. 
you know? Let's look at our hearts this morning, okay? Let's take a, let's take a few minutes here. Here's the first one, faith. Now, faith is the key ingredient. It's kind of like the main thing there, right? If you're making a cake, it's kind of like the flour, you know, of the cake. Now, I'm not going to get into this whole thing because I'm not a cook. I, I do not bake. I don't know what I'm talking about here, okay? But I know that flour is a main ingredient of cake. I know it is. <laughs> it's the foundation. Our, our faith in Christ activates our walk with Christ. I'll say that again. Our faith in Christ activates our walk with Christ. How many has given your heart to Jesus this morning? Give it to me high. Give it to a wave at me. How many loves Jesus? You've given your heart to Jesus. Say amen. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. Wave your hands. Yeah, amen. Everybody loves Jesus. That's good. That's a good start. Praise God. We placed our faith in Christ and in our, for our salvation, but it doesn't stop there, church. And a lot of times we stop there, don't we? Well, I'm good. Jesus has got me saved. I'm washed clean of my sins. And then off I go. And you never change. There's never any, anything going on other than I got Jesus in my heart. You got faith in him. You see, we place faith in Christ for our salvation, but then that faith needs to grow because when we place our faith in Christ, Christ to make us more like him, we grow up in him, we mature in him. That moves us, by the way, from him not just being our savior, thank God he saved me. But now he's going to be my Lord. That means I've given, I'm yielding to him. My tongue, my thoughts, my emotions, my possessions, my relationship, my past, my abilities, my present, my future, my all. I let him be Lord of all those things. He's my savior, yes, but he's my Lord as well. That moves us from him not just rescuing us from the pit of hell, from, from separation from God for all of eternity, but also it moves us into a relationship with him because that's what being with Jesus is all about, is having a daily relationship with him. That moves us not just from him delivering us from evil, but also discipling us to be more like him. That, that takes us from, from birth by him to growth in him. That's what faith is. It's our daily walk with Jesus as the Holy Spirit grows us. So praise God you have faith in Christ. Now have relationship with him. So Peter says you take that faith, that key ingredient, and now let's add to it some stuff that will really make it taste good. And the next one is goodness. Goodness. Now goodness, by the way, is a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. If you, if, if you know someone and, and you can kind of describe their personality, you might say, well, they're, they've got a really funny sense of humor or they, they're really sensitive and, 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 and sweet and, and, and caring. You know, things like that where they, there's particular traits of people. Goodness is a trait. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is goodness? It, it feels like kind of a general sort of word. Let me just kind of define it for you. Goodness shows up in our lives in righteous acts of God that are put into practice towards others. So it's not being good for goodness sake, but it's being good for goodness sake towards others in Christ. The goodness of God in me comes out in my acts towards you. That's what goodness is. It's not my goodness, it's God's goodness in me. So let me ask you this, how are we doing in our righteous good acts towards others? How are we doing? Let's start at home. No, don't start at home, pastor. Please don't start at home. Yeah, let's start at home. Let's start at home. Are we acting righteously towards our loved ones, towards our spouse, towards our children? 
Those that are under our roof, how are we doing? Are we being good towards them? Are we acting in a godly fashion towards them in all that we say and do and think? Are we being righteous in our walk towards our family? Are we being godly good towards them? Are we being ugly? Are we being hateful? Are we being spiteful? Are we being unforgiving? Are we being loving and kind and good? It's what we're saying and doing the best representation of Christ towards our family. It's a great question to ask. And I would say that for many of us, most of the time, we would probably say, no, not like I would like it to be. Well, then guess what? We need to add some goodness, don't we? In an ever-increasing way so that we can become productive and effective for Jesus. That's what Peter is saying. This is what I learned. This is what Peter is saying that he learned. Would Jesus say and do those things that you're saying and doing in your home? What about at your church? What about here? Or if you're visiting here today, the church that you go to, if you're watching here from home, what about the church that you go to? Is, are you being good in your church? Are you being, are you, are you being godly righteous towards people? Or are acts of goodness going out from you to people here under this roof? What about, what about at your school? What about your classmates and other, your teachers and other people like that, young people? Are you being good at school? Uh, is, is goodness coming out from you towards those that they know you're a Christian? H- how about at your workplace? You know, some of the people that you just can't stand working with that rub you the wrong way, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you don't have any of those people, right? Are you being good towards them? Are you being Christ-like towards them? Is there a goodness of God flowing out from you? Are you seeing people through the eyes of Christ? Are you extending out to them good, righteous, godly acts that draw them towards Christ in you rather than repel, you, repel them away? What about towards your friends? What about total strangers, by the way? It's not just people that you know, but people that you don't know. People that you just happen to meet up with on the streets. Do you need to add to your faith today goodness? Do you need to in an ever-increasing way? Is goodness lacking in your life? See, this is a required ingredient for us if we're to grow up in Christ. That's what Peter said he needed. Apparently, he wasn't very good before. But boy, the Holy Spirit, as he yielded, built up some goodness in him. And so Peter was a different person than he was at the beginning. And I want to be that way. How about you? I want to be a better person. I want goodness in me to increase. How about you? So ask the Holy Spirit to pour into you goodness and yield to him so that you can be more upright and godly righteous in your heart and life towards others. Write this down. I promise you this is something you need to go back and review and the Holy Spirit will help you with it. Don't just listen because you're going to forget these things. If you'll write them down, you can go back and revisit them. This will help you today. And I'm trying, by the way, to equip you here today. So let's be equipped, amen? Here's the third thing. The next ingredient that Peter uh, needed to know and add to his life was one of knowledge. That's an interesting word because you think, oh, he went to school and studied hard, right? No, that's not what he's talking about. Knowledge, not head knowledge, because the Bible says that head knowledge puffs you up with pride. So we must guard our hearts against that. Now, you do need to know God's word because thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. But if you're not hiding it in your head, you're hiding it in your heart. So it's a, it's, a, it's a lifestyle again. But the knowledge that Peter is encouraging us to grow in, I believe, is more of an insight of understanding of the battle that's all around us. There's a knowledge of what's going on out there. As we talked about in the last couple of weeks, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities. 
tell you what, there's a battle going on. Yeah, there's some wars going on, but there's also some battles going on in our relationships in our, in, in our lives, aren't they? You just, there's some people that you just, I know there's nobody in here is like this, but the, you know some people that know some people that they just can't stand. And that's not you guys, right? Because you guys, everybody loves, you love everybody that you know, right? No. We, we struggle with the fact that there's, the, there's this, that we see people and we think, well, that's my enemy. No, ma'am. No, sir, they're not your enemy. The enemy is not someone you can see. The enemy is the enemy of our souls, and his plan is to destroy us, and a knowledge of the power of Christ in us to overcome that. He does not want to ha- us to have a knowledge of Christ with that understanding that Christ in us can overcome these things. By the, it's really like I talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's a discernment of the Holy Spirit to realize that the battle that we're facing is not the person or the circumstance that's in front of us, but it's in that spirit that's behind it, that's pulling the strings behind it, manipulating the situation to, to, make, us un, to make us unchristlike. And the more that we grow in the knowledge of Christ, the more that we have insight and understanding into his ways, the more that we understand his personality and his heart and his goals, his plans, his glory, and so much more. In other words, the more that we pursue relationship with Jesus, have a knowledge of who he is, the more that we can be complete in our knowledge of him and in his ways and all that's going on around us and live as mature believers. I want you to think about a child's life for just a minute. As we've been talking about this this morning, most five-year-olds, they're not aware of, let alone can grasp all that's going on in the world today. We wouldn't want to expose them to that. Their minds are more innocent. Their knowledge is limited. Their emotions are childlike, of course. Their, their trust is still there. Their outlook is a, uh, on life is a bit more idealistic. And, and that's why the Bible says that we need to come to Christ as a child in that way. Not jaded and pessimistic, but more trusting and innocent like a child. These children, they're not aware of the awful wars that are going on right now. They're not, they're not aware, hopefully, of the sexual perversions that are being crammed down everybody's throat. They're not aware of the political battles that are taking place in our nation and in the world. They're not aware of the murders and the daily thefts and all the adulterous affairs that take place all the time. All that stuff that's swirling around them, they're being protected and guarded from that. And we rightly should shield them from all those things. Because they can't handle it. They, they shouldn't have to handle those things that are meant for adults. But the older that those children get, and we can attest to this, the more world conscious that we become. We grow up. We, we mature. And see, church, that's what God is expecting us to do spiritually. This maturity in Christ comes as we not just read God's word like a TV guide or like a, you know, some other sort of cool book. But we, we, we just, we, we dwell on it. We reflect on it. We meditate on it. We study it. We absorb it. We take time. We soak in the word. We spend time in his word. Just let it speak to our spirits. Let it roll over us. Let it wash us. Let it fill us. Let it consume us. Let it comfort our hearts. Let it equip us. Let it correct us. Let it strengthen us. Let it guide us. His word helps us in these ways. Our prayer times, as we worship this morning and throughout the week, we seek God, we spend time with Him, we grow up. Hebrews 6.1 is an interesting scripture. It says this, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, first, second, third grade teachings, and be taken forward to maturity. Let's get on into college here. Let's go into postgraduate 
Let's get some good, let's get some good depth and maturity in there. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death. In other words, quit chasing around, quit chasing your tail around and doing the same stuff over and over and over again. Let's grow up in our knowledge of Christ that goes from here to here. You know, when we were in the first grade, we graduated the second grade, most of us, I would hope. Then we graduated the third grade, and it went on until we received our high school diploma, hopefully. Other of us went on to higher education. We increased our knowledge to make our, us more skilled in our careers. I'm so thankful that a little uh, seven-year-old is not doing open-heart surgery today. Amen? Anybody? Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> hey, look at little Johnny. Put down your lollipop and work on me. That ain't happening. It's not happening. I'm going to make sure that that person is skilled to work on my body. That needs to be done. God is calling us, church, to move beyond the elementary teachings to the deeper things in Him. That's maturity. That's the knowledge that Peter is talking about. And we all have a lot to learn, amen? All of us have so much to learn. We'll never know it all. But I'll, I'll say it this way. We need to know more today than we did yesterday. And then we need to know more that day than the day before. We need to constantly be growing in our knowledge of who Christ is. Walk it out. Not just know it, but then walk it out. Let's apply it to our lives. And that's the part that's hard. It's the walking out part. Oh, I know about Jesus. I know his ways. I know what he would do in this situation. I know what he would say, but I'm not going to walk it out. Well, then you're not growing up in the Lord. You're just being you. That immature, running around the barn, just chasing your tail all over the place, and you've been doing it for 10, 20, 30 years. And that's not God's plan for your life. Knowing Christ, having a relationship with Him, causes us to be mature in Him, and we should be changing. We should be growing up. We should be maturing in Him. So let's walk it out, and the Holy Spirit can help us with that, and will if we yield to Him. So add to your goodness knowledge of who Jesus is so we can grow up in him. Here's the next ingredient, self-control. Self-control, this is another fruit of the Spirit, by the way. If you read the nine fruit, that's, that's another one. Now, I imagine this was a great big one for the spontaneous Peter. You know, he needed to be reined in big time. How about you? How about you? Are you spontaneous? Do you, do you like to speak before you think? Do you act out before you consider the ramifications? If something comes to your mind, do you just blurt it out? No filters. Do you let your emotions rule your actions? When someone pushes your buttons, do you react in the flesh or respond in the spirit? Oh, let me see what that does. <laughs> just exactly what I thought it would do. Look at them go. You know, more damage has been done to relationships this way. And your witness for Christ, by the way, is severely diminished when you lack self-control. You give in to your flesh. You type out the message and hit, the sit button, you hit that send button in anger. You retaliate for a wrong with revenge without even thinking of the, re, the ramifications. You, spe, you spew words and you shoot daggers and you choose not to forgive. All of these and so much more are an act of an immature and childish person in their walk with Christ. Doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means that you're not growing up. You're not allowing the Holy Spirit to give you that opportunity to be mature in those areas. 
We do not represent Christ well when we lack self-control. It's a vital ingredient if we're to grow up in Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit is here to help us if we will simply yield to him. You know, we're going to be slaves to those things that control us. Did you know that? So what controls you today? Because whatever controls you, you're a slave to. You can't go back and undo those acts. You can't unsay those words. You cannot unring a bell. But you can repent. And you can grow up. And you can do better going forward. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is the person who lacks self-control. Think about what that's. Give that, that's a great visual. Walls are broken down. Anybody can come in. Back in those days, walls built up that were strong and impervious was a protective mechanism against the enemies coming in and attacking. If you lived inside the walls in that city, you were secure. But walls that are broken down, anybody can come in. And that's what happens in our lives. If our walls are broken down, we let anger come in, unforgiveness, rage, bitterness, all those things. Just come on in. We need to build up the walls. And the Holy Spirit can help us to protect our hearts so that we can be more self-controlled and more like Christ. If you feel like the walls of your life are broken down, that these issues come and go at their leisure, when and how they please, because you lack self-control, that there's a solution to that. Simply add self-control to the mix of your walk with Christ. Peter needed that. And he says, boy, this will do you well if you add this to your to the ingredients of who you are in Christ. Give the Holy Spirit your tongue. Give the Holy Spirit your thoughts. Give the Holy Spirit your emotions. Let him build the walls of self-control around your life that would keep those issues at bay and under the authority of Christ in you. Self-control. So we add to our faith goodness, then knowledge, then self-control. These are some of the ingredients that are in this wonderful cake that we're making here today. And here's the next ingredient. Peter encourages us to add, and that is one of perseverance. Perseverance. Now, when a child gets mad because they aren't winning, because they're not getting their way, what do they do? They just quit. They walk away. They throw a fit. They get mad. They pick up their marbles and say, I'm leaving. They just pout. They just give up. And we think, man, those kids, if they would just grow up. But guess what, church? We do the same thing. We do grown-up versions of it, though. It's just not working out for me, so I'm leaving the job. It's not working out for me, so I'm leaving the marriage. It's not working out for me, so I'm leaving the church. They leave a tough situation that's not fun, it's not comfortable, it's not going their way. And oftentimes they leave those things not quietly, but a lot of times in a huff. So the whole world will know how unhappy that they are. But what if that person would have stuck it out? What if that person would have persevered? What if they had given that situation, no matter how difficult or challenging that it was, to the Lord, and they trusted Him, and they walked maybe just a little further down the road in that tough season? I'll tell you what would have happened. Growth and maturity would have happened because they would have chosen to persevere. Perseverance, if you're going to define it, is a steadfastness of heart. I'm staying and I'm trusting God. It's a stick to that does not shrink back in times of testing. In our trials, we don't give up. 
In our struggles, we don't quit. In our challenges, we don't lose heart. How many is going through a trial, a struggle, and a challenge right now? See, the thing is, is God's bringing you into that because there's something that he's trying to teach you. Too often, I think, we face trials and we think God is mad at us or that he's forgotten us. He hasn't. He's not mad at you. He's not forgotten you. You see, God loves you. That's the truth of it. And God hasn't forgotten you. That's the truth of it. And God is with you in every struggle, and that's the truth of it. That's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is teaching us. The Holy Spirit is strengthening us. And the Holy Spirit is caring for us all along life's journey in the good times and the bad. In fact, we're actually instructed to give thanks in those trials. That feels a little sadistic, doesn't it? When you're going through something, thank you, Jesus. You don't give him thanks because of it. You give him thanks in it. And that's a big difference. And it's not a thank you, sir, may I have another sort of approach. It's, Lord, in this difficult thing that I'm going through right now, I choose to give you thanks. I will persevere. James 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. It produces that stick to So let us persevere and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Well, there it is. I've got to let perseverance do its work so that I can grow up, so that I can be mature, so that I can ever increasing be more like Christ, so that the next time I go through a difficult situation, I can remember, oh yeah, you know, God was faithful then, and he's going to be faithful now, because faithfulness is not something that he does. Faithfulness is someone that he is. And so I can trust him that he's with me no matter what. Listen to me, church. The test that you're going through right now is perfecting you. I'll say that again. The test that you're going through right now is perfecting you. It's maturing you. It's making you more like Christ. It's making you more complete in Christ. Now listen to me this morning. If you're dozing off, wake up because this is an important uh, instruction that I need to give you this morning that I think is going to be very helpful for someone here. Because on the other side of your test, so imagine if you're right here, right here, and here's the test, and here's the other side of the test right here. There's a lot of stuff going on between where you are and where you're going to end up. All this stuff right here is the place where you need perseverance. But in that space right there, you will have collected a supply of wisdom. In that space right there, you will have collected a supply of grace. In that space right there, you have collected maturity and grown up in Him that you can apply to your life going forward. It's in that space that most of us give up. That most of us don't persevere. But Peter is saying, add to your faith perseverance because you're going to go through stuff. You're going to go through challenges, difficulties, Things are going to make you want to quit, but you need to persevere. What you need to mature you is provided in the midst of your trials and your tests. You see, you're not going to get it 
here. It's not waiting for you on the other side. What you're going to get and how you're going to get it is through your trials. You hear me? Oh, I just we're going to bypass that, and I'm just going to take that wisdom and all that. I'll take it right here. No, that's not how it works. He's taking you through the situation where you go, oh, wisdom, oh, I need that. Persevere, yeah, I need that. Trusting in the Lord, definitely that. And I'm going through the situation to where at the end of it, I've come out of it, I'm going, okay, boy, I got all this stuff. I wouldn't have gotten it if I hadn't gone through it, but now I've got it. Here's another one. I got this stuff right now, so I'm going to... Man, I'm going to apply that now. And he's going to add some more stuff. And I'm growing and I'm maturing in the Lord because I'm going through that situation. And I'm coming out on that end. And I've got a testimony of God's faithfulness over and over and over again. And I'm growing up. I'm not a child anymore. I'm just, I'm a teenager. Now I'm a young adult. Now I'm a fully mature man of God. You see, that's what God wants to do. It's a journey. And it takes perseverance. Don't miss it. Don't miss those opportunities. To grow in the Lord. Find it, grab it, grab hold of it, and don't let it go, those things that he's teaching us through those situations in our life. It'll serve you well in your journey going forward, I promise you, because that's maturity in Christ. That's growing up in him. So, church, we're not going to take up our toys and storm out of the sandbox because things aren't going our way, no matter what that is in our lives. We persevere. We will remain steadfast in our hearts, knowing that the Holy Spirit is with us all the way. He's maturing us into an effective and productive follower of Christ. And that's God's goal for our lives, is to grow up in Him. So, we have the ingredients of faith and goodness and knowledge, self-control, perseverance. Those are great things. He's adding another ingredient, and that's the one of godliness. Godliness. Godliness, by the way, is a life lived for God according to His instructions. Not our instructions, not the world's instructions, not what we think, but what God says. Godliness is a life of holiness in Christ. It's a life led by the Holy Spirit. Godliness is, is a person who helps, the Holy Spirit's going to help us turn from ungodliness and embrace the holy, righteous, pure ways of God. So godly, godliness is no to unforgiveness. Godliness says no to anger. Godliness says no to vengeance. Says no to hatred. Says no to animosity. Says no to selfishness. Says no to pettiness. Says no to greed. Says no to lust. Says no to many other things that are in the flesh. Godliness says no to those things. Spiritually mature people act out in these ways regularly and they even justify doing them in a lot of ways. People in church do it a lot too. They have a Sunday religion instead of a daily relationship with Jesus. They live a compromised life. They do what they want, when they want, how they want, regardless of whether it's pleasing to the Lord. They pull Jesus out of his box every once in a while. They show him off when it's beneficial to them or that they need a, a quick booster of shot of grace and forgiveness. And then they put him back there in that box for the next time that they need him. That's not a relationship with Jesus and that's not being spiritually mature at all. Children do this. You ever punished one of your children or seen this happen where the crocodile tears appear when a child is caught in the act? Big puppy dog eyes peer at the parent. Pleadings for mercy are exclaimed. Sorrow is there, but it's not leading to repentance. 
The punishment is mild to non-existent and the child goes away unchanged and resorting back to the previous ways, only a little bit worse this time. This is the life, by the way, of a spiritually immature person. And lest any of us exclude ourselves, as I said earlier, those of us who've been Christians for much, much longer, and we've labeled ourselves as mature. Oh, I'm mature, Pastor. This isn't for me. Yeah, it's for all of us. It's for me. It's for all of us here today. We need to be careful that we don't think the Bible says of ourselves any higher and more highly than we ought to. We need to walk in humility and keep our perspective is that we're at the foot of the cross, sinners saved by grace, always needing to mature in the Lord. Because you see, church, a lot of times we've gossiped and we've judged and we've condescended for so long and for so often that we hardly even recognize the blip on the radar screen of our hearts as the Holy Spirit is convicting us and we, realize, and we don't even realize that what we're doing is not pleasing to God. A spiritually mature person is one who is careful not to point fingers, who owns up to their sins, who humbly confesses them to God and then turns, them, turns away from them towards the things of God. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to what? Salvation. And leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So in other words, you can be sorry in the world and you can be sorry in God. And so the difference is godly sorrow brings life. Worldly sorrow brings death. Really what this is saying is godly sorrow is sorry for their sins and worldly sorrow is sorry that they got caught. I guess we can simply ask ourselves this morning, are we glad that we got caught? Are you glad that the Holy Spirit catches you? Is there a godly sorrow in you this morning? If not, and you have a worldly sorrow, that worldly sorrow simply says, I'm just sorry I got caught, and it's leading you to death. But if you have a godly sorrow, it'll help you to repent, and it'll help you to move into those deeper things in the Lord and mature you so that the things that you say and do and think that are not pleasing to the Lord, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, stop thinking that, stop doing that, stop, stop being that way, and grow up in me. Add godliness to your mix this morning, church. Having a heart for him and his ways, holiness, purity, righteousness in Christ. Here's the next ingredient, mutual affection. Mutual affection. Another way to say mutual affection is brotherly love. Children don't hide their feelings very well, do they? If they don't like someone, you'll know it. They fight with them. They pick on them. They talk ugly to them. They're just mean. And as adults, we're really not much better. You'd think that we'd be kinder, we'd be more gracious, we'd be more forgiving, but, but, but we're not. It seems, in fact, that the older that we get and the more that we're around someone, the less patient and kind and forgiving and loving that we become. Hmm. And I know you know what I mean. I can't tell you the amount of conversation that I've had with people in the last several years as a pastor and really just observed about people not just at church, but just in public, who really are having a hard time having a mutual affection for one another. It's, it happens a lot in marriages. You may be sitting next to your spouse even this morning, and you don't really have a, you don't really like them right now. You have a hard time loving them. And it's been that way for a while. Because over the years, they've just frustrated you, they've disappointed you, all of those sort of things that bring relationships to, to fisticuffs.
and actually to separation. It's not just with husbands and wives, it's between parents and their teen children and adult children. Separation. That mutual affection, that brotherly love. What's going on, church? What's going on in the world today? Why can't everyone just get along? Uh, I don't understand it, but I kind of do because I think what's happening is that Satan, who's the enemy of our souls, is attacking the family. He's doing everything that he can, church, in these last moments before he knows his time is up to bring division in every possible way. It's like the finale of a fireworks display. And we're seeing it happening where it really is surprisingly shouldn't be happening. And that's even in families of church people who've been raised in church, who've raised their kids in church, who go to church all the time, who love Jesus and have a relationship with him. Marriages and families are under attack. And all of this fighting and division and strife isn't of God, by the way. God is not bringing this strife on. He's not bringing this division. Church, we need to identify the enemy, and the enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not your child. Satan is all about stealing and killing and destroying. He is our enemy. He divides, and then he conquers if we let him. But if we'll identify the enemy of our souls who's out to try to bring that division, we can more fully be mature to know how to respond. So let's not be like children today, but let's grow up and be spiritually mature believers who walk in love and who walk in forgiveness. Let's have brotherly love and affection for our spouses, for our children, and anyone else that we're struggling with. By the way, Satan is thrilled that you're spending your greatest energies fighting with one another instead of fighting him. Think about the greatest energies that you're expending throughout any given week. Is it against and towards that person that you should be then getting along with? Satan's like, good, spend all that energy there. And I'm going to just keep you all stirred up right there. And if you do that, you're going to be ineffective for God. And I'm good with that. I may not have you turn from Christ, but at least I'm not going to let you mess with the, what I got going here. Don't let him do it. D doesn't that make you mad this morning? Does that make you mad this morning? Does that make you angry at Satan? See, Satan has duped you. So church, wake up and then grow up. And then let's stand shoulder to shoulder with your spouse, with your child, with your brother, with your sister in the Lord. And let's face the common enemy. We faced each other too much and we're fighting each other. God wants us to turn this way so that we're shoulder to shoulder facing our common enemy. And that's the enemy of our soul, Satan, who hates your guts. Our, economy, our common enemy isn't one another. Our common enemy is Satan. So expend your greatest energies defeating him. By the way, I'm going to set a rule in place starting today. The only person that you're allowed to hate going forward from this day on is Satan. Rules of the house. If you don't like it, too bad. Everyone in this place, let's grow up. And let's walk in mutual affection and brotherly love one for another, which leads us to Peter's final ingredient, and that is one of love. I'm just going to read to you out of the passage in 1 Corinthians. We all know it as the love chapter. And uh, I can't say it any better than this, so I'm going to read it in its entirety, starting in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love... By the way, this is the love of Christ. It's not, it's not affectionate romantic love, it's, it's agape love, it's the love of Christ, it's that godly love. If I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong and clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there's prophecies, they're going to cease. Where there's tongues, they're going to be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it's going to pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, in other words, when we see Jesus face to face one day in heaven, what is in part will disappear. And here's a scripture I read earlier in my message. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So when you read that in its context, it gives it a different perspective, doesn't it? Because he's talking about growing up in Christ. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Just like in a list of ingredients, if you're making a cake, and again, I'm no baker, but I do know that there's something that needs to bind it all together. And this particular ingredient is the agape love of Jesus that binds all of these other sort of things together. It's his perfect love. It's his unconditional love. It's his compassionate love. It's the ingredient that binds all the rest of these things that Peter was listing together. And it's his love. And it's in his love that we can grow up and mature in our walk with Jesus. So I ask you this morning, is any of these ingredients missing in your life? Or are any of these ingredients uh, needing to be increased in your life? Maybe you have them, but they're not where they need to be. The Holy Spirit Church is here to help you. Now, Peter, I'm sure, had a challenging journey to get to the place where he was writing this letter. Because you think about it again, Peter started out as a hothead, but he gained self-control. Peter, he had it in him to quit at times, and it was documented. In fact, Jesus had to go back and get him after he rose again from the dead. But Peter gained perseverance. Peter struggled to love at first. He had a hard time loving some of them Gentiles. But he grew in his mutual affection for his brothers and his sisters and those that maybe were not part of his ilk. The Holy Spirit worked out of him his fleshly ways and worked in him godliness. Over time, Peter grew up. And even as Peter was writing this letter, Peter was still growing, by the way. And we all have room to grow, amen? Even to our last breath, we can and must mature and grow. That's why Peter said in ever-increasing measure that these ingredients are added. So today, I want to encourage you and give you opportunity to start the process and the journey of growing up in the Lord, to give the Holy Spirit permission to grow you and I up.
in an ever-increasing way in Christ so that we can be more effective and productive in Him. And that's the goal, is to be more effective and productive in Christ. More effective and more productive in Christ. More effective and more productive in Christ. So let's add to our faith goodness. Let's add to that goodness knowledge, then self-control, then perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. Ah, it's a good start. Would you stand with me this morning? And I ask you, does anybody need any of these things in greater portions in your life? Does anybody need to grow up in this place today? Does anybody have a desire to want to step into these things more than you are right now? Would you yield to the Holy Spirit? Give him permission right now to do this. I invite you with every eye closed and head bowed and church, just begin to pray because this is a personal thing. And here's the temptation is right now is for us to just look around and say, ooh, what's God doing in someone else's life? And we miss the opportunity or really we ignore the conviction that the Holy Spirit is speaking in our hearts. So I give you instruction this morning. Don't worry about who's standing next to you. Don't worry about what's going on in anybody else's life right now because it's, it's, it it's none of your business. It makes no difference. The business that God wants to do right now is in your heart. What is it in your heart that needs to grow up because the Lord needs some warriors. I'm not going to send out a five-year-old to fight a 25-year-old's battle. I'm not going to put a bunch of armor on a five-year-old and throw a machine gun in his hand and say, good luck, get out there and fight all those people. No, we're going to be an army of grown-ups, aren't we? We're going to get out there and we're going to face the battle that's in front of us, in our families, in our workplaces, in the world. The battle is every day, it's raging. And we need to grow up. Grow up in the Lord so that those things won't be so devastating to us and that we can move forward knowing that in every opportunity we're yielding to Him, the Holy Spirit, and He's growing us up to be more like Jesus so that we can be effective and productive for Him. Is that you this morning? Are you lacking something that the Holy Spirit can give you right now? If that's you, I'm just going to pray with you right now. I don't even need you to raise your hands because... You know exactly what it is. But I need everybody to pray because I believe, including myself, all of us need to be ever-increasing in those areas. And so I am guaranteed that everybody in this place is lacking in one or more of those categories. I promise you. It doesn't matter how long you serve the Lord. I don't care how godly saint you are. All of us need to grow up some way, somehow today. So Father, we bow our heads to you and we yield to you, Holy Spirit. Won't you help us to um, be honest and authentic and real with you this morning? And that you would, Holy Spirit, uh, show us those things. You've already actually shown us those things in this message. Holy Spirit, you've already convicted us. You've already tapped us on the shoulder and said, that's something that you need more of. So, Lord, you know those things. We know those things, so now we, we confess them to you. We, we, we open up our lives, and won't you pour into us those things that are 
of you maturing us. And won't you remove those things that are in us that are causing us to stay as little babies. Lord, we want to grow up today. So remove the childlike stuff and put into us the mature stuff of you. Help us, Father, to move from the elementary to the higher education. Lord God, from the milk to the meat. Lord God, from the, from the little old sandbox stuff to the warring in the heavenlies on your behalf for the souls of mankind. Lord, raise up a church of mature, mighty warriors that are effective and productive for you. And it begins with us yielding to you. Confessing our sin. Confessing our lack. Confessing our need of you. And we do confess that. And Lord, today we thank you that you're giving us goodness and knowledge and self-control, perseverance and love, mutual affection. You're adding to our lives all of these things that we lack or that we're just diminished in that we need you to fill it back up and we give you place, Holy Spirit, to do your work. Now, Lord, give us opportunity to see how we're doing. In those areas of self-control, show us, Lord God, give us opportunities to see how we're doing with that. In those areas of perseverance, give us opportunity to see how we're doing with that. In, our, in areas of goodness, give us opportunity to see how we're doing with that. There's a little test along the way to see if we're growing. And Lord, we want to grow in you. We do. Help us to grow in you. We can't do this in our own strength, but through you, Holy Spirit, we can, we must, we will. Just like you did with Peter, do it with us. And we thank you, Jesus, for these things. And with every eye closed and head bowed, maybe today you might say, Pastor, I, I can't even say that I have faith because I, I wasn't able to raise my hand a few moments ago when you said, how many has Jesus in your heart? I couldn't raise my hand. And I, I, I'd love to raise my hand, though. I, I want to add to my faith all these things. But what you're saying here today is making sense and it's stirring in my heart something that I hadn't felt in a long time. You see, that's the Spirit convicting you of your sin. He's drawing you in. You're here for a reason today. Maybe you're invited by a friend. I don't know why you're here today. You're watching this online. I don't know why, but it's not by accident. This is a divine appointment that the Lord is bringing into your life right now. And I would invite you from home and here in this congregation with every eye closed and head bowed. If you need to add to your life faith as the key ingredient. If you need to ask Jesus in your heart this morning or rededicate your life to the Lord this morning, I want you to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Yeah, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Five, six people, every seven people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want us to all pray. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, ma'am. Let's just all pray this prayer together whether you raise your hand or not. The Holy Spirit's doing a work in this place. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Would you all pray this prayer out loud? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God's son, you will be saved. It's that simple. He's already done the work. Now you just open up the door to your heart. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. So I ask you today to come live in my heart and be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you today that from this moment on, I'm a child of God. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. And I'm going to grow up in you from this day on. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.